Hello, and welcome to Believe It, Achieve It. I am your host, Nicole Winley, and I believe everyone should be living the life of their dreams. This show is going to be a weekly dose of magic to help guide you to living your best life. When you feel good, then success in all areas of your life is easy to achieve. I love to empower people to discover their dreams and to ignite their lives. This show will be full of personal development stories and skills to help you take your life to the next level. My guests will be health and wellness experts and amazing spiritual beings, as well as everyday people with stories and lessons to help guide you through the ups and downs and help you get one step closer to living the life of your dreams. I want this podcast to be real and unpolished, full of honesty to show the realness of life. Here's to living your best life with gratitude and love. Are you ready? Let's get started. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Believe It, Achieve It. And as always, as I always say, I'm so excited for this episode. This is a best of episode for 2020. I can't even believe I'm saying best of. Wow. I'm so incredibly proud of myself and so beyond thankful to all of my guests. Oh, Thank you, thank you, thank you to all of them. Thank you, all my listeners, everyone who has listened and gained something from this. So so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So 2020 has been a year unlike any other. We can run through all the reasons, but I'm pretty sure the rest of you have been living through this pandemic too. So rather than talk about the ways it has limited us in this very special episode, I want to focus on the lessons we've learned together and how we found strength and connections we've nourished through this podcast. So this episode celebrates the best of, wow, I can't even believe I'm saying the best of Believe It, Achieve It, but here we go, you guys. So this episode celebrates the best of, the most powerful lessons we've shared this year on Believe It, Achieve It. Ah, I'm revisiting a handful of episodes from this year to highlight just a few of the many incredible guests I've had the privilege of hosting on this show. Wow. From experts to regular folks who have graciously shared their own struggles and stories of growth. I love it. I love it. I love it. So whether you're taking your first step on this quest for a fuller life, you're somewhere in the middle and still trying to figure it out every day, or you've come through and you're basking in the warm rays of gratitude, you're going to find something magical that resonates in this episode. So true, you guys. Woo! So the stories in this best of episode feature powerful individual journeys of grief to gratitude. Reaching the other side of grief, as many of you know, make us stronger. The strength is there to remind us that every day presents us with a choice. If we believe in our own happiness, then there's nothing that will stop us from achieving it. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in. This podcast began with my own journey from grief to gratitude and the desire to help anyone else out there who's resonated with that experience. So I want to start with a few clips from episode 15 where I talk about how Believe It Achieve It first came to be. I just got to that point in life where I was like, is this life? This is life? There has to be something more. So I went out and found it. I found that there is a lot more to life than just living, living that stagnant life. You know, 
I just decided it, no more. No more living in fear, anger, and depression and truly living in grace, gratitude, and love. I can truly say that. It's okay to get angry. It's okay to be mad. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be frustrated. But how long are you going to stay there? You know, I don't stay there, but a few, I try to stay there only a few minutes. I don't even like feeling that anger. I don't even like it being in my body. So I try to push it out as quickly as possible. You know, it's, it's how you overcome. It's how you react to what's happening in life. So, you know, just breathe, breathe, right? Breathe and enjoy life. You know, I wrote down a mission statement years ago, and it was, my purpose in life is to be love and give love and do as much as I can for myself and others and enjoy every moment in life. Woo! If that could be everyone's mission statement, right? Right? Let's take away the anger and the hate and trade it for grace. You know, suffering is a choice. Shit's gonna happen, right? But if you suffer, it's because you're choosing to suffer. Don't choose to suffer, you know? I see people that suffer, that live in the suffering. And I used to feel sorry for them, but you know, they're choosing that life. They're choosing to stay there. They're choosing to to be angry. Who wants to be angry all the time? I just can't imagine. (sighs) You know, what you focus on is what you become. So, you know, I focus on love. I'll tell you how I came up with Believe It, Achieve It. So I had a mentor of mine tell me many years ago, he said to me, Nicole, you need to just believe and trust. Hmm, really? You're telling me I just need to believe and trust? I wrote it down on a yellow sticky pad and I stuck it on my cork board. I have a cork board. I wouldn't call it a vision board. I would just call it like a, I don't know, meaningful board. So every time someone gives me something or I write something down or I feel it just it makes it to the cork board I've got vision boards all over but this is my cork board so I stuck it in there and when I was coming up with my podcast I was like what am I gonna name I wanted to name it no bad days right I just talked about no bad days so I was like yeah we don't want to have no in a title right so started thinking looking around my room looking around my office and Digging deep, right? I really, this podcast is really important to me and I'm not doing it just for fun to throw out a podcast. I'm really doing this, you know, because it's my mission in life is to do as much as I can for myself and others. So I looked up at my board and I saw believe and trust. I was like, wow, that's it. Believe, believe it, achieve it. A pivotal moment in my life happened through a conversation at a party with a good friend of mine, Kelly McCullers. She is the founder of the jewelry line Latin Love, which I wear every day. I will plug that. Anyhow, she played an important role in my life for introducing me to Tony Robbins. You were telling me that you went to this seminar and I was like, Tony Robbins, you know, like, okay, whatever. You know, I've heard of him, (laughs) you know, we've all heard of him, right? Oh, yeah. And you were telling me about it. And I was like, well, that just sounds insane. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking 12 hours and people are crying and people are hugging and people are having the best time. And you walked across fire. And then I got your husband involved, Justin. I was like, she walked across fire. And he was like, I've never been so proud of my wife ever. <laughs> like, she did it. And we did it. And I was like, that just sounds nuts. <laughs> yeah. But... <laughs> But it stayed in my mind. (laughs) It stayed in my mind and with me, Kelly. 
because I admired so much and I saw the beauty of who you were and I saw the success. You were growing each and every day. I think that if you go when it's the right time for you to go in your life, because you, you know, you could be standing at the door of opportunity most of your life and never really seek to open it. But I think when you're at the right point in your life where you are open to something and you're seeking change or seeking improvement and you go to something like that, you can't help but be affected. And it was a huge blessing in my life. And it's obviously been a huge blessing in your life because it's been like, you're a whole new person. <laughs> I mean, I like to think that I was so, you know, so blessed by it. And I, and I know that I was, I've gone to other ones since then. I know you have as well, but but I was, when you first went, I mean, it was like, it was rewarding for me, you know? And it goes back to that, you know, always aspiring to inspire because that's what, that's what life is. You know, you just, if you get something good that you feel like is a good gift, you, you want to give that gift away. So if you get something, you're like, this is so good. I don't want to keep this to myself. And that's how I felt at the time. And girl, you are thriving now. Kelly's story is a great launching point for this episode because it's a story about rebuilding your life when it feels like you're stuck. She was working in the food and beverage industry in a job that she wasn't excited about anymore, but it led her down a dark road full of uncertainty, but one that eventually convinced her to make the leap towards entrepreneurship. Woo! I love it, Kelly. Whenever you get to a point where maybe something isn't the right fit any longer, you know, things can be for you, but maybe only for you for a season. And if you go through that season, and you're still there and you start to feel that friction between I'm doing this, but I'm something's off. So I'm not happy that I was in a dark place and I did not know kind of what to do, but I, I knew that I'd always want to be an entrepreneur and always want to do my own thing. Her success with Latin Low is a clear indicator that she made the right decision long ago to get unstuck from a job and a life that was holding her back. You can listen to her full story in episode 17. You go, Kelly. I love you, girl. One of the most important tools that we can use in order to shift our perspective is our mindset. We might not have control over what happens to us, but we absolutely decide how we feel about it and the power we're going to give it and how it affects our lives. We've heard it countless times, mind over matter. You probably remember the remarkable story of Whitney Spots from episode 13. Whew, you guys, she is something else. A stroke caused her to step back and reevaluate how she was living her life, both physically and mentally. Her story is about the choice to be better versus bitter. When I look back, it's like, was I living my best life? Because I was just distracted. Like I was going so fast. I got this job, I worked crazy hours, I just had a baby, I just got married. Like I was falling into that, just living fast. Like it's not even falling into anything. A lot of people do it, it's totally normal. But it's like good to have a reality check every now and then and slow down and that's what I got. So anyway, on this on this day, it seemed so normal. I had the worst headache of my life. It was nothing like I've had before. And as a physician assistant, I mean, whenever anybody says, you know, they've had the worst headache of their life, it's like red flag, alert, alert, you know, but I 
didn't think that way. I thought, oh, it's probably the flu from work or my daughter's in daycare, probably some virus, maybe in migraine. I've never had a migraine before. Maybe this is what it feels like. So I just didn't take it seriously. And I spent all day in bed, unable to do anything. Medicine wasn't working. I mean, it was excruciating. And then I started to get sick. And at that point, it was like 10 p.m. And my husband, I said, I don't feel good. And I was in the bathroom, slurring all my words. I didn't know I was slurring my words, but my husband just, I just saw his eyes like get real wide and he's like really calm. And he said, let's just go to the hospital. And I think I I said like, okay, just don't take me to the ER, you know, cause that's where I work. I don't want to go. And so he kind of danced around the whole idea and he's like, well, let's just need to get some medicine, IV medicine, you know? And at that time I was so sick. I couldn't really walk right. I couldn't sign into the ER with my arm. They did the whole workup really quickly. They didn't make me wait at all. And they got me to the CAT scan because they realized, you know, something wasn't right. And they kept me in there forever. And I'm thinking, God, what do they see? You know, because I know it's so fast. Yeah. And the doctor came back and she just had this look of horror in her eyes. She didn't even come in the room. She was visibly scared. And she said, you have blood on your brain. We're transferring you to another hospital immediately. And at that point, Everybody was scared because they didn't know where the blood was coming from, what they were going to do about it. They didn't know if it was an active lead. And so they transferred me to downtown. Right, because here you are. How old were you when this happened, Whitney? 34 years 34 old. 34 years right? old. That's another reason why I didn't think, you know, something serious, like a stroke could be happening to me. 34 years old, healthy, full of life. Yeah, you know, I'm too young, I'm too healthy, whatever. If you don't even put it on the differential, like they always teach us in PA school, if you don't even think about it, you miss it. And that's exactly what happened. You know, I didn't even consider it and that's what it was. Luckily, I had the most amazing neurosurgeon. I went into this whole thing positive, not positive, like false positive, but positive as in I didn't read any consent form. I did not know, want to know like what could happen to me, all the things they were, they were telling me I didn't want to know. I really focused any attention that I could still put together on that this wasn't going to be the end. You know, this isn't how it's supposed to end. Mm-hmm. And that's how I went into the surgery, really believing that because I was getting scared at I had a whole day before the emergent surgery because it wasn't like a emergent like within that hour. It was urgent within the next day, but I had some time to think. And I was so afraid of saying goodbye to my daughter, you know, and just leaving this planet and saying goodbye to my family and my husband. I was so scared. But and I didn't allow myself really to dive deep into that. You know, I allowed myself to feel that sadness and grief. And then I decided, like, this isn't the end. You know? <gasps> and that's mm-hmm. how I went into the surgery. And I came out, Nicole, without event, being on a ventilator, without having a feeding tube. The nurses in the ICU were literally jumping up and down at my bedside. They'd never seen a brainstem surgery patient come out looking as good as I did. Wow. Um, 
you know, it was incredible. And I spent a few months in the hospital because at that point I was paralyzed on my entire right side. I just decided like, I'm gonna be better. You know, I decided with intention that I was gonna be better. And that definition of better has changed over the course of my recovery because it started out, okay, I'm gonna be better. I'm gonna be that, there are only 10% of people who have a stroke make a full recovery. Wow. I'm gonna be that 10%. I'm gonna be that old me. I'm gonna work in the ER again. I'm gonna have my physical ability back. Like, you know, I'm gonna do this. And I went to rehab five days a week in two different places. And, you know, I went to acupuncture and Pilates and therapy. And, you know, I was like determined. I would, you know, walk, try to walk down to the beach because I live a couple blocks from the beach. And of course I couldn't even make it down my street, let alone to the beach at the time. But I was just determined. And I Mm. realized, you know, That's so powerful though, Whitney, that's so powerful. I mean, you made, you got the right mindset. You said, I am gonna get through this and I am, and you did it. I think that that in and of itself is really important because I am such a believer. Like, I love that your podcast is called Believe It, Achieve It because I think like, you know, impossible is just an opinion. Somebody said that one day and everybody decided to believe it. Yeah, and, and we believe what we, we feed our brain, we believe it. Yeah. I tell people big time now, I, I always like grab my phone on my lives and I get real close in it like I'm shaking people and I'm like, there's nothing you can't do. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing, you know, lesson for me, well, there's a lot of big lessons for me, but one of them is that becoming better is not becoming the old you. Becoming better is not getting all my physical abilities back and being able to do exactly the same things that I did before. Becoming better is like, like I read this thing one time, like, you know, don't think outside of the box, get rid of the box, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. Like becoming better just opens up an opportunity to define that like any way you want. And for me, getting better really is about who I am. Like it's befriending myself and accepting myself and then allowing myself, you know, to dream of whatever I want and then go get it, believe it or achieve it. (laughs) Right? Whitney's inspirational story led us straight to writer Champollion. And I probably pronounced that incorrectly, but writer, I love you. Also known as the modern day monk. In episode 18, he shared his story, some advice on how you can shift your mindset, just like Whitney found the power to do it all for herself. I've spent my entire life making mistakes, trying to find out the best way of having a fulfilled, happy lifestyle from materialistic gains to substance abuse to bad behaviors, mischief and mayhem. I've been to both sides of the river, as well as living as a monk in a monastery. Yeah, so it's it's been a great experience, but my entire life has been dedicated, now I found, towards one thing. That's helping as many people as possible move, think, and feel better easily for a lifetime. What would your top tips be for someone listening who is ready to start living a healthy life? 
I think the first thing people need, and this is one of the things I describe to people as being a superpower, right? If I could mm. give anybody a superpower to change their life, it would be accountability. Being able to honestly look at themselves and assess themselves without judgment, right? But with love and conviction and dedication and decisiveness that, hey, this is who I am. This is where I am. These are the things I've done. Doesn't mean it's going to be my future. Taking the emotion off the table. I don't have to hate myself or love myself. Again, assessing fairly and evenly things as they are and holding themselves accountable, right? Hey, I said I'm going to do this. Let me follow through with it. Or, hey, I don't like that I've been acting in this way or I've been taking these actions. Because anytime we have a negative emotion inside of us that feels like guilt or shame or remorse, right, or regret, things like that, it simply means that aspects of our own identity are conflicting. That either my beliefs, my values, or my actions, one of them at least is pointing a different way than the other two. Oh, I believe I should do this. I value these kind of actions, but I'm gonna do this over here. All right, and then all of a sudden we're pulled in two different directions. We're not getting that cohesiveness and that solidity that we enjoy, that certainty of our own identity. Right, so the first thing would be self-accountability, which has a lot to do with having a high emotional quotient. Right, being able to say, hey, somebody may have said something bad to me that doesn't make me bad. I may have said something bad to somebody else that doesn't make me or them bad. Right, and giving yourself that honest moment to say, I probably can and should take control of my actions and hold myself to maybe a slightly better standard. So that would be the first thing. After that, <laughs> I would say the next most beneficial thing anybody can do, and I used to believe would be eat right and exercise, until I found out that I can make one thing change in your life, and it's not your diet, but make you diabetic within a week. And that's regulating your sleep cycles. Right, so in studying regulating your sleep cycles, I found out when I sat down, I did my four Ds myself, that sleeping has its own purpose and its own agenda. And what the outcome of sleeping is, is actually not to lay in bed slightly immobile and comfortable for eight hours. It's actually to change your brainwave patterns to different states than they are consciously when we're problem solving so that our body is able to heal and regulate itself better. Basically get yourself into what I said earlier, that parasympathetic state of rest, digest, and heal. Like I said earlier, we spend 80 to 90% of our time fearing that we are being hunted or trying to hunt in a state of reaction. Right. And taking the time to be able to down-regulate that upregulate our parasympathetic rest, digest, and heal is the greatest single thing somebody can do for their health. It changes your brain chemistry. It changes your neurochemistry throughout your body, changes your endocrinology, changes your lymph, changes your breathing, changes your oxygenation, gives you more energy, more vibrancy. Everything else, you try to eat well first and exercise well first, but you're constantly in a straight of, I need to survive, in that sympathetic fight or flight state, you're always only going to hit peak and then bounce back out because you need to rebound. You don't have a solid foundation. 
So I think first would be accountability. Second would be regulating your nervous system. Wow. Third after that, and this actually comes later in my hierarchy, but if we're looking for like the three things somebody could do, celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. <laughs> right? We always try to celebrate the giant moments that we had in life, the big blissful things. I graduated from this college or this course. I bought my house. I got married. I got divorced. Whatever the big item of the moment is. However, those moments only come after long periods of time. They're typically not that frequent. Mm -hmm. typically, typically take a lot of stress to get through. And there's millions of moments throughout the day that come that are blissful and are, 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 are miracles, for lack of a better term, right? One of the limericks I kind of give my, my clients to work with on this factor is, if you take a crap and you wipe your ass and don't get shit on your hand, celebrate. You can see what you're doing. And if you can see your own ass while you're cleaning it, you probably made a bigger mess in the process. Right. <laughs> and right? it's but true, yes. All these moments and joy comes very slimly to people that only celebrate the big moments. Right? If you're looking for the bricks, but you forget the sand that makes up those bricks, you're missing all the magic points in between. And it's like momentum. Joy is momentum, right? Even if you're in a most depressed state, and I can tell you because I've been in such a depression where I've had a shotgun loaded in my mouth. We've talked about this before. I know the taste of a gun barrel. I know what it feels to pull that trigger. And I know what it feels like to get almost there and wonder how much further it's going to go. I've been in some very dark places and I built myself back to a state of happiness and joy only through doing one principle of 1% daily trying to figure out how I can make myself a little bit happier than I was before. And the key to it is really, as simple as it sounds, find things that make you, find opportunities that could make you happy at any time. Sometimes not even find the thing that makes you happy. Sometimes, you know, like when I go to the bathroom and I'm pooping, I may not be like, yay, there's no poop on my hand right now. I don't actually get up and dance around happy, right? But I take the opportunity to look at that moment and say, hey, there is a position where I can have a perspective change in this moment, right? And things could be worse than they are right now, which allows me to appreciate how good they are at that moment. And having that moment of appreciation allows me to go, hey, this is a good time and allow me to celebrate. So sometimes it's not looking for every moment to be magical and happy, but understanding that every moment could be worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And if it could be worse, and it's not, like, that's a good fucking thing, and you should be happy and celebrated. Now, let's journey into and through the experience of grief. In episode 11, my dear, dear friend, Lizzie Harrington shared her story of grieving the stillbirth of her child. Mm. She learned through this heartbreaking experience that sadness was okay, and that the journey from that space would literally be taken moment by moment. I was listening to all these voices in my head that said, well, she wasn't three years old. You didn't have all this time with her, Lizzie. Just move on, move on, move on. You know, you have these voices that say, move, move, go, go, go. And I wasn't giving myself that time until I started reading these blogs and Facebook pages. One of the ladies said, if it's just one thing you do every day. And I said, yes, I can do that. So I started giving myself, what is my one thing I want to do today? I want to go to Starbucks. And I would go and I would sit and I'm to have my coffee and I would go back home and I would feel so successful. Today, I want to do yoga. 
Mm -hmm. Tomorrow I want to, whatever it is, right? I want to go for that walk around the block and then I'm going to go back to bed. And that's how dark it was. I had to have such a small activity or else it really did, it felt like overwhelming. Every single sensation would come back. And I went to counseling and did all that. And, you know, that was the shift in my life. The shift when I said, I can't continue to just go, go, go or expect that everything is happy and sunshine and rainbows. It's okay to be in darkness. It's okay to be in sadness with people. Gradually, Lizzie moved through her grief and found meaning in it. An especially important topic during this pandemic has been suicide awareness. So I wanted to revisit the story from episode 26 when I had Lisa Zeller on the show. She had lost two partners to suicide, which led her to recognize the lack of support that exists for those who have been touched by it. She now dedicates her life to raising suicide awareness. She's an incredible, incredible person. So Lisa, what advice do you have? How can you guide people? How can you help people that are listening that may know that person? You know, that you just are like, oh, I'm not sure. What can I do? I think we kind of touched on this earlier. You know, you don't know what the person next to you is going through. So my first advice is be kind. For example, somebody was calling me from... So I have my personal cell phone on the website for the coalition. So I started getting a phone call and I was at work and I didn't answer it. And I listened to the message and it was this old man. And he's like, well, that's great. You're not even answering the phone. He goes, we've got important stuff. And he was very angry. Oh, wow. In my mind, I'm thinking I'm also working a full-time job, you know, and I, you know, I took a deep breath. I walked outside and I gave him a call. Well, this poor man's son was suicidal and he was a veteran and he didn't know where he was. So imagine what he was going through. And he calls me from, you know, hoping to talk to somebody about suicide prevention and he gets my recording. So I'm just so glad that I was kind to him that day. And I didn't, you know, act snarky or snap back at him for something that was not his fault. So I think that's my number one. You know, you just, you really don't Be know. Be kind. Smile. I smile. I smile all day, every day. But just a simple smile to the person that's coming in a, a door behind you can change someone's life. It can. Can change it can. someone's life. Kathleen L. joined me to talk about suicide awareness and the strategies that can be used to manage grief and eventually find a way to heal. In episode 27, she talked about how to find strength to move on into the next phase of your life. You don't get over it. No. You don't, you don't move on. What you do is your A life is gone and you have now a new B life and B life is really living the best life you can. And so you learn to move through life with a new perspective, with a new event that has informed you on how you're going to live your life. You can choose to die with the one who is no longer here in a physical form, or you can choose to live and honor their spiritual form and connect that and, and really be together. It's really wow. important that you don't do it alone because you're not, you know, the grief to the belief prescription. You know, the, the grief prescription is the three B's. When you're first going through this, 
First B is be in the moment. Don't look too far ahead. Don't, because the further ahead you look, the more anxiety and depression you feel, the more darkness you feel. The more you did, like, how can I live this life, the rest of my life like this? Because you mm -hmm. don't believe, you don't believe that you'll ever move through it. No. So be in the moment, be in the next second, be in the next 10 seconds, be in the next hour, week, whatever you need to do, be in the moment. The second is breathe. Breathe deeply. Do the four squared breathing technique that I teach people. It's breathe into the four count of four. Four is my favorite, yeah. <laughs> breathe into the count of four, hold it to the count of four, release it to the count of four, hold it to the count of four. Do that four times in a row. And I promise you that will bring you back to the present moment. It will ground you. And not only will that happen, but when you're breathing deeply, it helps move your oxygen. So it's energy in motion. It clears your energy. So it helps you stay healthy. And the third is to believe. Believe you're not alone in this. Believe there's someone there to help you and believe your loved one is close to you, even though they're not here in human form. They're here in spirit form. Just believe that you're connected. You're not alone. Mm. If your loved one was here on earth and you were have crossed over, would you want your loved one to live in suffering and pain and depression, anxiety and anger because you had crossed over? I bet the answer is no. So I would ask you to treat yourself with that same kind of grace and ease and step into your healing journey. However it looks, whatever way it is, one hour at a time. We've all dealt with our fair share of challenges in this lifetime, but it's fair to say that some obstacles are unfathomable in their magnitude. These next guests have shared their personal stories of overcoming hurdles, embracing them, and ultimately rising from the ashes to build beautiful, purpose-driven lives. Kevin Parker joined me on episode 10 to share his story of winning against all odds. He suffered from prescription drug addiction following an accident. Ultimately, he found his way out of the fog and came up stronger than ever. Wow, you guys, Kevin Parker has quite a story. About six months after high school, I got into a head-on collision with a bus. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was absolutely devastating. The bus ran the red light, hit me head first, and I injured my neck and my back. I had herniated discs in my neck, herniated discs in my back. And from this point on, I was introduced to painkillers, which was the... Dun, 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 right? That was the doomsday of my life because I was already an addict and I didn't realize how physically, mentally, and emotionally addictive painkillers and opiates were. I started taking them as five milligrams, 7.5, 10 milligrams. And in the beginning, it made me feel like Superman. I could do absolutely anything. I was able to exercise, work out. It felt like myself. I, I had energy. It felt like a super pill. But and you're getting while, the medication from your doctor, so it's okay. My doctor, yeah. yeah. It okay. I felt like I was doing a good deed over here by getting my drugs from my doctor. And periodically, my tolerance grew. So what normally the job didn't do it anymore. So I winded up having to take... 10 milligrams and 50 to 30. Before I knew it, I was taking six to eight 30 milligram oxycodone a day just to get through the day. At this point, I dropped out of college. I got into the union. I was working heavy labor. I was spending about $800 a week on painkillers just so I go to work, just so I can afford my pills, just so I can go to work. It was this vicious cycle that I was stuck on and I was absolutely stuck. I was a slave to my addiction and everything in my life just 
fell apart before my eyes. I didn't even realize it was going. Every relationship I ever had, every good friend I ever had stopped talking to me because they couldn't support my addictive behavior and what I was doing with my life and how I was treating myself. Every relationship ended because of my drug use, my dignity, my self-respect. I lost my apartment, my car. Wow. Everything that I ever had, I lost to drugs and I didn't even see it. Now I work out every single day. I jump, I skydive, I cliff jump, I, I box, I work out, I go to the gym, I do everything. I beat all my friends in two-legged sports with one leg. <laughs> oh, I love it, I love it. I've won a sexy leg contest on a cruise with one leg, dancing around. I'm pretty sure I think I saw that video. Yeah, there's, I didn't. <laughs> just, there's just no limits to life. The only limits that you have are between your head. But the biggest experience, diff most biggest difficulty that I had to deal with was the mental and emotional aspect of this. Kevin shares his unique concept of the six human needs. Through these, he creates an understanding how addiction can end up playing such a big role. So the six human needs are certainty, variety, significance, ah. love and connection, growth, and contribution. If anything, feeds three out of those six human needs, you will be addicted to it. The good thing is trying to find activities and things that encompass all six of the human needs and use that to substitute those lesser addictions. Because you can't be negatively addicted to the need of growth or contribution. There's no other way. You know, significance, variety, certainty, and love, they can be positive or negative. But you need to find things in your life that are conducive for your success, for your purpose, and what you're trying to accomplish. I have a mentor in every single aspect of my life. And I try to stay around people that I know are going to help me grow and mm -hmm. help me contribute to society in some way. And I have connection. I try to stay in the love connection, growth and contribution in all aspects of all of the relationships I have in my life. Because if they don't fulfill at least two out of those three, I don't have a relationship with that person. Everybody has their insecurities and hang-ups. And for a while, when I first got out of the hospital, I thought it was going to be a really debilitating aspect of my life. And it was going to define me. Well, you could have let it. You could have let it. I certainly could have. I've used all of my biggest weaknesses and I've turned them into my biggest strength. There's always a way to do that. If you can take your weaknesses and turn them into strengths, nobody can stop because you've taken your weak points and made them unstoppable. And that's why uh, I named my company True Warrior because everybody has the potential to be a warrior inside. They just have to tap into it because everybody has things they're amazing at and they're powerful at. They're just, they were meant to do that. And then people don't have weaknesses, but they have places of growth that they need to work on or need to find somebody, collaborate or synergize with people that, that can pick them up in those areas of their life. Once we've overcome an obstacle, we next have to learn to embrace the future challenges that will inevitably reach our doorstep. There's no better example of this attitude of embrace than my dear friend, Gina Ritchie. In episode five, she told us how we can prepare ourselves to welcome the challenges that lie ahead and to learn to embrace them. That is life. Like we're gonna have challenges, guys. So when we can learn how to embrace the challenges and embrace the journey and embody the experience that is our life, regardless of bad or good or circumstances. You know, you can live with purpose. You can find the path of freedom and joy and gratitude 
when you decide to embrace your challenges and use them for a greater good the things we go through that you can realize that you can grow through them and use the challenges you've gone through to make an impact in others lives but our souls you know had like contracts before we came here you know we were meant i was unfortunately my daughter was her journey was only supposed to be a short time here unfortunately mike's journey was only supposed to be a short time here and i believe he was unfortunately meant to learn you know or have that you were meant to learn through how he died his family was meant to learn through how he died the person who did what he did is meant to learn through what he did and i just feel like we are meant to learn through it and if we don't then we're not using our story to make the impact you know we're not using that we're not using it for our greater good and for the greater good of humanity we our challenges come for a reason so when you can stop and say to yourself why is this happening to me but not say in a way like why me but like okay why or why is this happening not to me sorry excuse me that one right there is the biggest way to turn it around why is this happening for me not to me yes happening to me victim mindset why is this happening for me empowerment why is this happening for me what am i supposed to learn from this and how can i carry it forward to make an impact on on the world and help others right to constantly be learning and growing in life yes and you're right gratitude the struggle ends when gratitude begins and when you can embrace gratitude now that we know how to work through grief, keep a positive mindset, overcome our greatest obstacles and embrace the challenges, it's time to create a gratitude practice. Woo! Ha! The game changer, the game changer in my life. This serves to remind us that life is above all a friggin' gift. There are peaks and valleys in this life. It's just the way it is. But practicing gratitude will equip you with everything you need through the depths and the valleys and all the way up to the peaks. Dr. Janet Fenneman and I have had a few Coaches Corner episodes throughout the show. So it seems fitting to conclude the best of episode with her expertise on creating your gratitude practice. When this show began, we were just entering a pandemic. Who knew? Everything in our world was shifting, and we've since continued to structure our lives around this constant state of caution and change. Creating and sticking to a daily gratitude practice is one of the most important gifts you can give yourself right now. Trust me on this, you guys. Trust me on this. I really have gotten deeper in my gratitude practice. Yeah. Meditation right now during this time has been incredible. Yeah. A lot of the spiritual leaders and, you know, people that I follow have been doing live meditations and it's just been beautiful. It's, it really has. I mean, I think what made the biggest difference, and I was talking to you about it, is not only are we social distancing, but we're fear distancing. Yeah. And when I made the choice to distance myself from fear, yeah. this whole entire experience changed for me. Yeah, this is just a time where we're being sort of bombarded with fear and some fear mongering too. And it's not to say that there aren't legitimate risks out there, but you don't have to swim in that all day. The idea of a gratitude practice has been around for a while, but it has been kind of 
popularized by positive psychology who they were studying our brain's negativity bias where our brains are wired they think as a way to keep us safe from danger to experience negative things more intensely so if you think about it when something negative happens your brain automatically thinks about it you know ruminates on it thinks about it over and over and when you think about the images that your brain makes they tend to be bigger brighter bolder and the, they think that the purpose of that is to for protection that if you know in caveman days if there was a mountain lion or something you needed to remember not to go back to that danger so our mind kind of automatically minimizes and kind of lets go of the good things that happen sort of glosses over misses the good things but can really fixate on on the bad things and so when they studied people who were they called them outliers people who went through really difficult experiences but somehow managed to be resilient and positive and optimistic and successful on the other side what they compared all of these people and they found that there were no similarities in demographics. It wasn't like men more than women or a certain race or age or religion. There was nothing that was similar about those people. But the one thing they found that was similar was that they had some kind of gratitude practice. Now, not, I don't think any of them called it a gratitude practice. Right. But they, they all had some kind of way that like a ritual or a routine in their life where they focused on the good things that happened in their life. And so what the psychologists found was the best, so the closest approximation of that, the way that we could all bring that into our daily lives was the use of a gratitude journal. And the idea of the gratitude journal, it's something that you do every single day and you write down three to five things that you're grateful for that happened that day, right? So it can't just be global things like I have enough food to eat, I have a safe house, right? It has to be things that happened in that day. Like I was late for work and I hit all the green lights. Or right. have, hey, that's huge. Right? Yeah. <laughs> huge thing, right? Or they have my new favorite drink at Starbucks. Or the barista who's mean to me was out today, right? It, it doesn't have to be these like zen highbrow things. But whatever you can think of in the day that you're looking for three to five things each day to keep track of that you're going to write down in your journal on an app or in a journal, however you do it, that you're going to track daily. And the idea of that is that there are very few days where there are the big things that happen, you know, very few days where you get the promotion or you get the new account or you get the date or whatever it is. Most of the days are just kind of like average days. And so this trains the brain to dwell on positive things. It sort of creates a positivity bias because when you know at the end of the day that you have to write three to five things, then all day long you're like looking for good things to write in there. Or you find it's like two o'clock and it's like, oh my gosh, I've got nothing. So then you go back in your day and you're like, oh, well, that was good and that was good. And over time, what you find is that same way that the brain goes over and over on the negative things, it starts to literally dwell on the positive. And over time, it literally rewires the brain. They can actually see with brain scans, new neural pathways being so it isn't, I think a lot of these techniques can seem so simplistic. It doesn't seem that they can work. You kind of inhale for four 
and that through your nose, then you hold your breath for seven and it's a long time to hold. And then you exhale out of your mouth for eight. And if those numbers are hard for you, the important part to remember is to, that you don't just inhale and exhale, you hold the breath for really as long as you can, not to, to be uncomfortable, but right up to that point. And then you exhale hard as long as you can and you have a longer exhale. And if anybody does it right now, you will immediately feel a difference. Imagine if every person woke up today full of grace, gratitude, yes. and love. Oh, just for five minutes, you know, just, just fill yourself up with that. So that's what I, I would love for people to get out of this podcast for me today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can't say it enough. I thank you all so much for being a part of Believe It, Achieve It and its journey this year. It's so incredible. I'm completely humbled to say I'm proud of myself. And I'm so thankful for every single one of you who was a guest on my show and for every single one of you who listened, who downloaded, who left a great review. I love you all. And the whole point of this is to, to help make the world a better place, one person at a time. Huh. That being said, you guys, make it an awesome, awesome day. Much, much love. for listening to another episode of Believe It, Achieve It. I hope you enjoyed the episode and please feel free to share it with your friends and subscribe, rate, and review. If you have any questions or want to reach out to me, please send me an email at coachnicolewindley at gmail.com and have an awesome day.